بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين Continuing the explanation of the Quran and we are talking about now verses from part 30 of the Quran and uh, we have covered so far Surah Al-Fatiha Surah The Great News and Naba Surah Al-Nazi'at chapter uh, 79 and now chapter 80 chapter 80 and it is Surah Abasa Abasa it means he frowned mean the Prophet Sallallahu he frowned And uh, my reference is going to concentrate on, alhamdulillah, these were discussed and explained by our Shaykh, rahimahullah, in his uh, circles at home and uh, during uh, the, uh, the, uh, the meetings that were called Al-Bab Al-Maftuh, the open door meetings at his home every Thursday uh, at 11 a.m. in the morning, uh, the Shaykh, rahimahullah, had uh, open uh, yani, uh, classes for the public and his uh, home was open for people to come and it used to be filled with people who come with uh, to attend the classes as well as have uh, many questions and he used to start uh, he used to start the classes with the tafsir with explanation of the Quran and uh, in particular this part four, uh, part 30 and he in the beginning he made the following comment rahimahullah now all of that has been published, alhamdulillah. All of that has been published. All of this work has been published. He said, rahimahullah, that uh, these explanations which we talk about the Quran is in the intended behind, the, 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 the intention behind that is to make the meanings clear. To make the meanings clear. And that the Qur'an, he said, has been sent to attain three objectives. Number one, so that people recite it out of worship. They recite the Qur'an as worship. This is one goal, one aim. The second, that they contemplate the meanings of the verses. That they contemplate the Qur'an. This is the second objective. And the third objective, the third objective is that they be admonished by it. Therefore to achieve admonition, to ad be admonished by it and therefore act accordingly. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah states in the Quran by saying, Alaykum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. A book that we reveal to you, O Muhammad. We send down to you, O Muhammad. The second one, yes, uh, contemplating the meaning. So I put them, Sister Aisha, like this. First one, to recite the Quran as worship. The second objective, the second objective behind sending the Quran is to ponder on its meanings 
thirdly to be admonished by it these are the three objectives behind sending the Quran Allah states and this is the evidence Allah states Kitabun anzalnahu ilayk a book which we have sent down to you O Muhammad Mubarakum a blessed book meaning it is all good liyadabbaru ayatihi so that they contemplate its verses وَلْيَتَذَكَّرَ أُلُوا الْأَلْبَابِ And those of reason may remember. And no one is going to remember the Shaykh Ajid rahimahullah إِلَّا إِذَا عَرَفَ الْمَعْنَى Unless he knows the meaning. Because he said that the one who doesn't know the meaning is the same as the one who does not recite. Allah states to this effect وَمِنْهُمْ أُمِّيُّونَ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ الْكِتَابَ إِلَّا أَمَانِي And from them are those أُمِّيُّون unlettered who doesn't know of the book of the Quran except the recitation except the reading and that's why he recommended that the Muslim should be keen on knowing the meanings of the Quran so that he may benefit from them and also he said حَتَّى يَكُونَ مُتَّبِعًا لِآثَارِ السَّلَفِ so that he will be also from those who would follow the uh, the path of the of the righteous predecessors because why because they did not they did not increase 10 verses meaning in recitation unless they understand and know what they mean and act accordingly and act accordingly And he gave the following advice. And I really reiterate the following advice. He said, The seeker of knowledge should be keen in every opportunity to take advantage of every opportunity when he meets with the general public. In such settings, he said, if he would bring only one verse from the Quran, and make its meaning known especially that which is most known to the public from the verses which are most known to the public but they don't know the meaning and he even asserted that many many of the people don't even know the meanings of the Fatiha these are some of the words the Shaykh Rahimahullah made before he started the the uh, the uh, explanation of part 30 and we take from that inshallah I will be also uh, resorting to uh, the tafsir of uh, the Shaykh of Shaykh Muhammad bin Salih al-Uthaymeen and he is a Shaykh al-Sadi rahimahullah the great mufassir of our times Shaykh Abdul Rahman Ibn Sadi And let me give you some, any, uh, a biography, a short biography of uh, this great alim of our times, Rahimahullah. And uh, who is he? His name is uh, Sheikh Abdul Rahman ibn Saadi, Rahimahullah Ta'ala. And 
he was born in the same town that I live in now uh, in the year of 13 or 7 of Hijrah and his mother died when he when she when he was four years old oh. okay I was talking about uh, I'm sorry I dropped the mic uh, who is Sheikh Abdul Rahman al-Saadi Sheikh Abdul Rahman al-Saadi is the greatest scholar of our times he died recently and uh, he is the Sheikh of our Sheikh Muhammad bin Salih al-Uthaymeen rahimahumullah all, all and may Allah's mercy be upon all the Muslim scholars as well uh, he was born in the city of Anayza in uh, in Qasim in Arabia in the year 307 and his mother died his mother died when he was 4 years old and his father died when he was 7 years old he rendered the Quran into memory he memorized the Quran and its proper recitation when <coughs> he was less than 11 years old and then he began the learning uh, and seeking knowledge uh, before the scholars of his town and for, uh, also before the scholars who came visiting the town <coughs> he had uh, a very noble character rahimahullah ta'ala and he had a lot of uh, of, uh, of works that are published alhamdulillah amongst them is the tafsir al-Quran in 8 volumes the tafsir of the Quran in 8 volumes this tafsir of the Quran in the 8 volumes is very simple alhamdulillah and now it's published even in one big volume now it's one, it published in one big volume and he has also many other treaties on aqidah <coughs> and, <coughs> and fiqh and jurisprudence and etc he died in the year 1376 of hijrah may Allah wa mercy be upon him so now we start with the Quran brother Abu Maher inshallah uh, you put verse 1 of chapter 18 verse 1 of chapter 80 in the name of Allah the most gracious, the most merciful <coughs> ok no, this is not translated into English so sister Mahdi if you want to record now this will be your your fresh recitation of most of it inshallah so if you want to keep it in record this is يعني, the time to do so this is the time to do so <coughs> so Allah says عَبَثَ <coughs> وَتَوَلَّى the Prophet Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم عَبَثَ he frowned وَتَوَلَّى he turned away from whom he turned away the Prophet ﷺ frowned and turned away when did this happen? this happened أن جاءه الأعمى second verse أن جاءه الأعمى when the blind man the blind man his name is Abdullah bin Umm Maktoum Abdullah bin Umm Maktoum is one of the companions. May Allah be pleased with him. He came to the Prophet ﷺ when the Prophet was in Mecca before the migration. He came to him and, and he intended 
to learn from the Prophet ﷺ certain matters. <clears throat> At that time, he came when the chiefs of the pagan Arabs, the chiefs of the tribe of Quraysh, and the nobles amongst them, were with the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ was focusing upon them, on these chiefs, and their important ones, the nobles, while hoping, sincerely hoping, for them to accept Islam. Because for them to accept Islam, the Prophet ﷺ was anticipating that this will be an opening key for so many who are under their influence to accept Islam. So the Prophet ﷺ has a strong hope regarding these chiefs of Quraysh. And at this moment, the blind man came, Abdullah bin Umm Maktoum, and he intended to ask the Prophet ﷺ, uh, like, teach me of that which Allah taught you. And the Prophet ﷺ, Frowned and turned, frowned in his face and turned with his body away from him. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ was afraid that those nobles and chiefs of Quraysh would look down at him, at the Prophet ﷺ, if he would have faced the blind man and turned away from them. As in the story of Nuh, as in the story of Nuh, of Prophet Nuh in uh, chapter 11, verse 27, when his people told him, Uh, not yet, Brother Abu Maher. Uh, chapter 11, if you could put this verse 27. And we don't see, they told him, Noah, his people told him, and we don't see in you any merit above us. In fact, we think you are No, that's not the verse I was uh, looking for. Now, they said, We see you but a man like ourselves, nor do we see any follow you, but the meanest amongst us. And they followed you without thinking. That's it. This is the verse. So the Prophet ﷺ indeed turned away. He was fearing that the nobles and the chiefs of Quraysh, if he would turn his face to the blind man and turn it away from them, he was afraid that they would look down at the Prophet ﷺ, as in the case of the people of Nuh when they accused him, you know, those who follow you are what? Are what? Are the meanest amongst us and they followed you without thinking. So the Prophet ﷺ, 
when he frowned and turned the other way, two things were on his mind. First of all, hoping that these people will accept Islam. So that's why he attended strongly towards them. The second, that he was afraid that they would look down at him. If he would turn his face to, towards this blind man, who this blind man to them is only what? Is mean. Is mean to them, as with the case of the people of Noah and the verse that you put up there. There is no doubt that the action of the Prophet ﷺ was an ishtihad from his side. This was a striving from his side. It is not intended, and he was not in, yani, intending to be mean towards Ibn Maktoum, to the blind man. Because the Prophet ﷺ was keen on guiding people to guidance, and that which drove him an extra step in the direction of these chiefs and these noble ones. Although he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in treating people, and he looks at them equally. This is what we believe in the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Then the, sec- the second verse, وَمَا يُدْرِيكَ لَعَلَّهُ يَزَّكَّ The second verse, but what could tell you that perchance he might become pure from sins? Meaning who? Meaning the blind man who is coming to learn from the Prophet ﷺ how to be purified. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing the Prophet, is, is, uh, is, is, is saying, but what could tell you that perchance he might become pure from sins? Is there anything making you doubt that this man, the blind man, would be purified and his faith strengthened. So if this is hope, then by all means, he deserves to be looked upon and, give, and given the attention and not the other ones. أَوْ يَذَّكَّرُ فَتَنْفَعَهُ الذِّكْرَى The next verse. Or what? Or that he might receive admonition from you if you gave him attention and you answered him for what he came. Or that he might receive admonition and that the admonition might profit him. For he, may Allah be pleased with him, is more deserving in this than those who Allah called them in the next verse. Those nobles, they think of themselves as what? Self-sufficient, in no need, can do without such a purification. They can do without such a purification. They are in no need. Why? Because of their amassed wealth, and because of their status and, and so-called nobility amongst their, their people, or because of their strength and power and authority, and they are the chiefs. So as to this one, then Allah says, next verse, فَأَنْتَ لَهُ تَصَدَّى 
and to him you attend. Meaning to this one who, you know, to the chiefs. Exemplified in in the saying of Allah, those who think any themselves uh, self-sufficient, to them you attend, or to him you attend. So your your attendance to that who thinks himself self-sufficient who doesn't even ask who doesn't ask for purification like the blind man because he doesn't he's not intending to purify himself and then you abandon the one who came looking for your attendance then this is something you must not have done or you should not have done this brings about a very fundamental basic understanding in Islam and this basic foundation is as follows I say, to, I say it in Arabic and translate its meaning. لا يترك أمر معلوم بأمر موهوم ولا مصلحة متعلقة أو متحققة لمصلحة متوهمة. No matter that is known should be relinquished for that which is delusive. I will write it down. This is the first part. No matter, no matter, Amr Ma'loom should be relinquished, abandoned for that which is delusive. And the second part of it, and no accomplishable or attainable. benefit can be relinquished or abandoned for an elusive one please make note of this great foundation no known matter should be relinquished for that which is delusive and no accomplishable or attainable benefit can be relinquished for an elusive one. Also, a point of benefit that Sheikh Saadi, rahimahullah, said. that the objective of sending the messengers is to admonish people and to make them remember 
meaning the truth. Also from the benefits that one should attend to the seeker of knowledge who needs it more than the one who doesn't. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kindly blamed the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for his action. He kindly blamed him. And he told him that وَمَا عَلَيْكَ or, uh, As we will see, uh, there, was no direct, uh, no, there was no direct addressing to the Prophet ﷺ from the beginning of the verses, as you have noticed up till now. There was no direct addressing. And this is, there is a benefit that will come. وَمَا عَلَيْكَ أَلَّا يَزَّكَّ Can we put that? وَمَا عَلَيْكَ أَلَّا يَزَّكَّ What does it matter for you if he will not become pure? Yes. Meaning, what, what does it matter for you if he will not become pure from disbelief? You are only a messenger. I mean, your duty is only to give the message and propagate. As to the changing of the heart, this is not in your hand. Then Allah says, وَأَمَّا مَنْ جَاءَكَ يَسْعَى uh, Verse 8, please. Yes, convey the message. وَأَمَّا مَنْ جَاءَكَ But as to him who came to you running, وَهُوَ يَخْشَى And is afraid, meaning afraid of Allah and afraid of Allah's punishment. عَلَيْكُمُ السَّلَامُ رَحْمَةُ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى بَرَكَاتُهُ The next verse. And is afraid of Allah and His punishment. No problem, Kamil uh, reader. Kamil herder. أَمَّا مَنْ جَاءَكَ يَسْعَى وَهُوَ يَخْشَى فَأَنْتَ عَنْهُ تَلَاهَا Of him you are neglectful and divert your attention to another. This is verse 10. Meaning that he hastened in order to seize the opportunity to come to the Prophet ﷺ circle to learn while he is fearing Allah in his heart because he magnifies him. On that, فَأَنْتَ عَنْهُ تَلَهَا That you are neglectful and you divert your attention to those chiefs of the, of the noble Arabs for their guidance. Then came the admonition. كَلَّا كَلَّا <coughs> Meaning, don't do like this. Don't do like this. Kalla innaha tazkira. Indeed, this Quran is an admonition. Innaha tazkira. Allah is referring now to the Quran. So Allah admonished the Prophet and blamed him kindly in these past verses. Then Allah says, Kalla innaha tazkira. Indeed, this Qur'an is an admonition, meaning the Qur'anic verses that were received by the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. Tazkirah, meaning it's a reminder. 
an admonition to man as to what benefits him. As to what benefits him. And urging him, urging man to that what benefits him. And this admonition, the Quran, reminds man also of what is harmful to him and cautions him about that which will affect his heart and actions. فَمَنْ شَاءَ ذَكَرَهُ فَمَنْ شَاءَ ذَكَرَهُ The next verse So whoever wills, let him pay attention to it. Meaning to it what? From the admonition that was sent down upon Prophet Muhammad فَمَنْ شَاءَ Allah says whoever wills وَمَنْ And whoever therefore, this means also, and whoever wills not, then, you know, he's not going to, uh, you know, to take by the admonition. This is the same as the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Kahf, which is uh, chapter قال تعالى وقل الحق من ربكم من ربكم فمن شاء فليؤمن ومن شاء فليكفر and say the truth from your Lord Allah and whoever wills let him believe and whoever wills not then let him disbelieve so Allah in these verses now whoever wills let him believe and whoever wills let him disbelieve so in these verses Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made for man the choice, has given him the choice meaning Allah has permitted this matter universally by his universal decree between him believing and not believing as far as the legislative will of Allah Allah does not like for his slaves to commit kufr and to not believe and he is not given the choice from the legal perspective man from the legal perspective is not given the choice to the contrary he is ordered, commanded to believe But from the universal will of Allah, from the aspect of His universal will, He has this choice. He has this choice. And to claim, on the other hand, as some people claim from the innovators, that man is compelled to do his action, this is an innovative matter, And there is a sect known as Al-Jabriya 
those who claim that man has no will or no choice he is compelled this is an innovated sect and we discussed many of this during the classes on on the matter of the pre-decree if you can remember and we said then that do you want to to uh, as an example we gave an example and we said do you want to read this book by your own free will a book there given to you do you want to eat later do you want to go to bed when you feel sleepy when it is time to pray do you go and make wudu ablution do you choose the kind of car you want to buy the actions done by a mature person are based upon his free will he has a will and he has an ability created by Allah this is what we are saying that this is under the universal will of Allah because this is the will in him is created the ability in him is created he has a will and he has an ability if man has no free will punishment on disobedience would be unjust similarly obedience would be in vain but man has a choice and his actions are foreordained by Allah and he subhanahu wa ta'ala does not compel him to act we know that when man wanted to do something and he was able to accomplish it then Allah wanted it or wanted to have it done لمن شاء منكم أن يستقيم وما تشاءون إلا أن يشاء الله رب العالمين to whomsoever among you who wills to, to, to walk straight and you will not unless it be that Allah wills had man been compelled he would have no will or ability to act but since man's will and ability are both part of his own self and that the self itself is a creation of Allah then man's choice does not escape the perfection of Allah's Lordship meaning nothing occurs in the heavens and on the earth but with Allah's permission he wills it there are certain things that happen without man having any will or choice in them such as <coughs> such things are not attributed to man for example death, illness, being suddenly hit by a car etc all these matters are attributed purely to the pre-decree and they are not attributed to man so in reality the Shaykh now continues by saying in reality man has a choice and that's why if a matter occurs or takes a place without his choice like the one who is yani, compelled to do something or the one who is asleep or the one who forgets then there are no rulings yani, to be uh, applied in this sense regarding him whether say, you know, being sinful or otherwise because he has in this case you know the the uh, the matter is occurring not of his own choice and this in itself tells you in the other instances he has a choice this proves that he has a real choice in the other cases so Allah says فَمَنْ شَاءَ ذَكَرَهُ 
meaning whoever wishes, yani he will remember this Quran that it is a revelation from Allah and he will be admonished by that. And the opposite is true. And the truly successful one is the one whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided him to success. Then the next verse. The next verse please. The next verse is Brother Abu Maher. Brother Abu Maher, can you hear me please? It is, yeah, alhamdulillah. Yes, yes. It is in records. What is it is in records? All these revelations. It is in records held greatly in honor, meaning in the preserved tablet, Allah al Mahfud. In the preserved tablet. held greatly in honor next verse please meaning the dhikr the, the remembrance and the Quran that is mentioned in these verses are in it's in records held in great honor exalted in dignity and purified <coughs> all purified and exalted in dignity with Allah and the suhaf meaning the records is the plural of Sahifa. And the Sahifa is the, thing, is the thing which we write in. We write the sayings in it. Then the next verse, بِأَيْدِي سَفَرَ In the hands of scribes, meaning السَّفَرَ meaning الْمَلَائِكَ سَفَرَ scribes meaning الْمَلَائِكَ uh, They have been called سَفَرَ Why? Because they are kataba, they write. And this safar is taken from, is derived from al-kitab. And they, are, they write, the angels write and record. And it is also said that safara means the in-betweens, the in-betweens, the mediators, the in-betweens between Allah and His creation. This is like an emissary. As we know from the hadith uh, of Rafi' radiallahu ta'ala an, that the Prophet sallallahu married Maymuna, may Allah be pleased with her, qabla an yuhrim, before he went into the state of ihram and hajj and pilgrimage. And he said about himself, Rafi', he said about himself, وَكُنْتُ السَّفِيرَ بَيْنَهُمَا And I was the emissary between them, a safir. And it's true that the meaning of safara yani, applies to both. Why? Because they are emissaries between Allah and the creation. Jibreel alayhi salam, Jibreel alayhi salam was an in-between Allah and the creation in the revelation of the wahi. And kataba also writing in records, those who write what 
uh, all the actions of man. They write it and they refer it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yet Allah we all know is all knowing before it's before the before the action of the slave and when he when he does the action and when the angels write it and before they write it. All of that is known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Kiram meaning in dignity and honor held in their morality and also in their form in the creation. So they are in dignity as well as in form they are the best. With, and they are barara meaning dutiful. Beautiful. Dutiful rather. And they have ample merits of excellence and goodness. That's why Allah described the angels بِأَنَّهُمْ وَأَنَّ عَلَيْكُمْ لَحَافِظِينَ كِرَامًا كَاتِبِينَ يَعْلَمُونَ مَا تَفْعَلُونَ But verily, over you are angels to watch you. They are honorable. <coughs> They are honorable in Allah's sight, writing down your deeds and they all, they know all that you do. And Allah described them also, they don't disdain from the worship of Allah. وَلَا يَسْتَحْسِرُونَ And they are, they, they are not regretful regarding this. يُسَبِّحُونَ اللَّيْلَ وَالنَّهَارِ They glorify Allah, making tasbih. Day and night, لا يفترون. لا يفترون. لا يفترون. They don't slacken nor relax. In these verses, in these verses, the Shaykh Rahimahullah added, there is a teaching and admonition as well as education to the creation that their first most important concern should not be personal. But it should be incorporeal, immaterial. And that they shouldn't give preference in da'wah to Allah to a noble because of his nobility, or to achieve because his, of his authority, or to a close one because of his relationship. Rather, all people should be the same in terms of da'wah to Allah the poor, the rich, the young, the old, the close, and the distant one. And from these verses also we know the kindness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the way He dealt with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on this. He said in the beginning of this verse, Abatha wa tawalla, He frowned and turned away when the blind man came. He said three verses. In the three verses, if you put them there against, again, Brother Abu Mahad, the first three verses, you will notice that Allah did not address the Prophet ﷺ directly.
because this is a blame and had the blame been directed directly at the Prophet ﷺ, it would have been yani, something uh, very strong la la not this one the first three verses the first three verses of the surah but all it came in the absent form in the absence abasa without naming him Lisa, you are so welcome but even he didn't say the prophet okay but the subject refers to the prophet in the absent sense you see the translation of the meaning it should be he frowned and turned away but in order to make it easy for the reader they put the prophet here you see because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not address him directly otherwise it would have been intense on him but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addressed him in the absent format otherwise it would have been you frowned like this you turned away when the blind man came to you no this didn't come, didn't come like this so, so that yani, uh, why because lest it would be harsh strong wording on the Prophet and also there is an admonition for the rest of the ummah so that this does not come up from them as well and from these verses we also know that it is permissible to use a nickname like uh, a nickname for someone with his description a nickname of description it is permissible like in the, says, in the, in the case here Allah described him Al-A'ma Al-A'ma meaning the blind man or you can say for example you know if you want to do that uh, uh, use the nickname uh, nickname someone with his description you can say the blind man or you can say the lame man and the scholars they used to do that and the scholars they used to do that they used to do Al-A'raj Abi Hurairah the lame Abi Hurairah they used to say this is permissible when you know what's intended is to identify the person however it is forbidden to be used to defame him and this is forbidden in Islam so inshallah we have covered now 16 verses alhamdulillah and I think this is will be enough for tonight inshallah we can inshallah we can continue uh, on a later session the explanation of the Quran chapter 80 and I really ask the brothers and sisters may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward them uh, to have uh, the noble Quran close to them to have the noble Quran close to them when we uh, or the translation of the meaning of it so that they can make uh, yani the points of benefit close to the meanings close to the translation of the meaning so that when they go and read these verses alhamdulillah they will understand yani, vividly what has been sent before and this will be a good reminder Wallahu ta'ala a'la wa a'lam wa sallallahu ala muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Lisa uh, are you an, an Arab Christian? Lisa are you an Arab Christian? no? ok 
Do you have any? You are, first of all, you are most welcome here to the room anytime you can come. Uh, and if you have any particular question, you go ahead and ask. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 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 wa sall